over there too, over there. Thank you for being here. God bless you. God bless you. And, uh, you know, our desire is, first of all, that you will make Jesus the Lord of your life and also uh, that you will make Downey First Christian Church your church home. Uh, also, after I'm done preaching, I'm going to go out that door and I'm going to make a right, which is going to be uh, also a right, a right for you if you go out this door, a left if you go out that door. But there's a guest lounge right over there, which is our living room, kind of a living room area. I would like to personally meet you. I promise you it'll take about 30 seconds. All I want to do is get your name and see if there's anything that we can do uh, to serve you. Uh, also, if you brought a person... Feel free to just go with them, and I'll meet you there uh, at the guest lounge uh, just so I, well, I can get a little bit of FaceTime uh, with you guys. All right? Sound good? Also, just a reminder, if you've been coming to church uh, for a while, feel free to invite your friends. Feel free uh, to invite your neighbors because uh, if this service is helpful for you, because I think that that's why you come every Sunday, because there's something that you're getting out of it that is helpful to you, why not bring a friend that can also be blessed as well? All right? So Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bible, please look up Matthew uh, chapter 18, and we're going to go uh, starting in verse 21. So if you didn't get your Bible reading in today, this is going to be it, because we're going to go through about uh, a little over 10 verses here, all right? Kind of a familiar story here, uh, but if you're not familiar with it, that's okay. Uh, We're going to kind of walk through uh, this uh, parable of Jesus. It says, Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21, it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus, and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. So he goes into this parable, is like um, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, which is about $7 billion. So this is an amount that they were, everyone was like, whoa, that's, there is no way that anyone can pay that. Um, 10,000 bags of gold, uh, since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, so about $300, okay? Um, He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him. So he did what he had done with, uh, with the king, fell on his knees. Be patient with me. He said the exact same words, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants of the king saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled that debt uh, because you begged me. 
Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how your heavenly father, this is Jesus' teaching, this is, like this parable that I just said, this is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. All right. So we're in a series uh, called Rest, and we're talking about rest. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a culture where you would come to church and you had a lot of things that you were dealing with, you know, throughout the week, all kinds of different problems, and you would walk into church and then you would hear a message, and then what you would hear from that message was, here's where you're failing, here's how you need to do better. And so you would walk away Uh, adding on more weight to the weight that you already had, and you would go about your week saying, I'm not doing good enough. I got to do better. Here's my checklist for the week. The Bible says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is the foundation of this sermon series that we're in. And so my desire is that you will walk in on Sundays for the rest of this series and you will be able to lighten your load and be able to hand over your load to Jesus. The gospel, brothers and sisters, is good news. And if it's not good news, then it's not the gospel. So we're going to be talking about this a little bit. Last week, we talked about the weight of religion. We talked about the the weight of religion. And today, we're going to talk about the weight of unforgiveness. The weight of unforgiveness. That's a big, a big weight. You're going to be talking about this also in your growth groups. If you're not in a growth group yet, uh, I highly suggest that you be a part of a group. That way you can discuss this uh, in more detail. Just go to uh, downyfirst.org and you can sign up for a group there. And so I want to ask you a question. Have you ever missed the point? Like someone's talking or has someone ever like missed the point with you? Like you're talking about something and then they totally misunderstand you. You're like, that wasn't even what I was trying to say. Like that's not even the point. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever missed the point of something? Have you ever missed the entire point of a movie? Like I was thinking about this. It's like missing the point is like thinking that the movie Titanic is, um, is about a string quartet who uh, drowned uh, tragically right after playing their favorite song. Yeah, okay, fine. That's, yes, it's in the movie, but that's not what the movie is about. And so I think that that can happen to us also when we look at Scripture and when we understand what it is to be a Christian. We can say, okay, yes, you, you look at Christianity, you can think, yes, it's about laws, regulations, behavior modifications, doing better, trying harder. And you may say, yeah, there are portions of the Scripture that have that in it, but that's not the main point. So we can miss the point even as we understand what Christianity is all about. Christianity is this. It's, it's, it's summarized in this verse, at least as far as I can tell. John 19.30 says this, when he, Jesus, had received the drink, Jesus said, we've talked about this before, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The story that we're a part of is a story of forgiveness. That's the story that we are a part of. And it's a story about forgiveness, and it is a story about a forgiveness that is complete. It is not partial forgiveness. When Jesus says it is 
finished, he actually meant it. We are forgiven wholly, and nothing has been left that is unfinished. You are forgiven, not based on your performance for God here on earth. You are forgiven as a result of Jesus' performance for you on the cross. That's the main story. And our calling is this, is believe the good news. Believe it. That's what faith is, is, is believe the good news. And so my question to you this morning is, is do you believe the good news of the forgiveness that is available for you through Jesus Christ? Do you believe it? Do you actually believe it? And so today we're going to talk a little bit about this, about, about how this parable um, allows us to understand whether or not we actually believe this. Um, we've talked about the difference between professing and believing. We're going to talk about that a little, a, bit, a little bit more, but before we go into a little bit more details in this, uh, about this parable, uh, I want us to talk about, about goats, right? What? Goats? Okay, there's a picture of a goat there, just to kind of like, okay, there's a goat. I just felt like showing that. Like, why is pastor showing animals like every Sunday on the screen? Um, why, do I, why do I share a goat on the screen? The reason why I share that is because I, wanna, I want us to understand a concept. It's the concept that we call substitution. And um, some of you guys know that I pastored a church in Chile for six years. And that church that I pastored in Chile had three other churches that we supported that were in the islands of Chiloé. There's an archipelago, and there's many islands down the south of Chile, off the coast of the Pacific, and we would go to those islands, and there were churches there, these small churches. And life in Chiloé is very different. Um, life in Chiloé is uh, very primitive. There's no internet, no TV, no, nothing that we're so familiar with. And one of the things that they would do is, you know, they, they cultivate the ground, and they just, that, that's the way that they live. And one of the meals that we would have there quite often was goat. And so, but you don't go to the grocery store and give me a pound of goat. Like, which one do you want? That, that one looks pretty good. And you grab the goat, and you hang the goat, and you slit its throat, and you, you put a bowl underneath, and the blood starts to flow. And then out of that blood, they would make this dish that was nasty. And they would put, uh, they would put garlic in it, and they would put uh, onions in it, and they would make this this dish, and then a few hours later, you were eating that goat that you were preparing. And so for them, it was very familiar just to, you know, eat these animals that they would see. And in Jesus' time, in the Old Testament as well, it was very familiar for them to uh, sacrifice animals. And not, it wasn't just for food. It was also uh, for atonement, atonement. And so atonement was this whole idea. It's kind of a big word, but it's basically you sacrifice something uh, else in replacement for something else. It's like a purification for an error. It is a uh, reparation, if you will. And so they would do that. And we see this throughout the scripture. We see this with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. We see this with Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. We see this in Noah. He sacrificed his animals for God. We see Abraham sacrificing his, his son. And then God provides a ram. We see it even up to this uh, time period with, uh, with the Jewish community, there's this day of atonement that's called Yom, Yom Kippur, uh, where they, they 
remember what the high priest used to do, which he would take, he would take two goats, he would sacrifice one for the sins of the community, and then the other one was the scapegoat. They would put it out into the desert. That, would, that animal would go and die alone. And you, would, you may think about that. You may say, wait a minute, why do all these innocent animals have to die? They're like innocent, like they didn't do anything wrong. Why was this part of the culture? They committed no sin. They are innocent. That's actually the point. They are innocent. These animals served as a substitute to die in place of the sinner. The animal had to be innocent in order to be pure enough to take on the sins of man. But this was not all these sacrifices, all these things that they would do. They were not ends in themselves. They were, as the author of Hebrews says, shadows of the real thing. The shadows are the real thing. Now, what does that mean? Hebrews uh, 10, 1 says this. The law is only, it says, a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities in themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. These were shadows of the real thing, the real thing, Right? They weren't perfect. They were partial. Like these, these sacrifices that they would do, they were, they were partial. They weren't, they weren't a complete sacrifice. They were only for a time. That's why they had to go over and over every year and do it over and over again. And they were only limited to a people group. There was only a people group that could be benefited by these sacrifices. That was, but that was a shadow of what we are living in right now. A shadow. Have you ever seen a picture of someone and not, ha, have not met that person yet? Like as we were conducting interviews um, to find the different uh, positions in our church that we've been looking for, I went through a lot of uh, applications and a lot of pictures. And you would read the application, you would look at the picture, and you got kind of an idea of what it was, but then you would meet the person, it's like, oh, okay. Sometimes it was like, dude, that was like so, uh, so much higher than my expectation was. And sometimes it was like, oh, that was kind of a disappointment. You know, you never really knew because you only had a limited amount of information. So what, what's happening here is very similar. See, in the Old Testament, all these things were kind of like, you kind of understood what it was. You didn't have a real clear picture. With all these sacrifices and all these things, these were all shadows of things that had been prophesied in the Old Testament until this moment comes. This is when Jesus appears. John 1.29 says this, the next day, John saw John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him. He was, John the Baptist was baptizing, and then he sees Jesus coming. And he says, look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why does he say this? He says this because now Jesus had come, and he became the reality of all the things that they had seen in shadow. Now Jesus appears, John the Baptist sees him, makes the connection to all the prophecies and says, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The real thing had arrived. No longer the Lamb of the high priest, this was the Lamb of God. No longer a partial forgiveness, but a forgiveness that is forever. No longer a forgiveness that is only for a time period, but it is once and for all. No longer for a people group, but for the sins of the world. It was a shadow, and now it became reality. 
And then Jesus comes into the scene and he lives a sinless life. He teaches us how to live. He, he, like a lamb to the slaughterhouse, is sacrificed for us. He hangs on the cross and he says the words that we read earlier. It is finished. That's the culminating moment. Now it's real. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is happening. Substitution, right? So Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away all of our sin. And So the same way that the innocent ram replaced Isaac Innocent Jesus replaced you and me on the cross. And so we are forgiven. It is finished. And so here's the thing that, that we have to understand is that the point, the, the main point of Christianity isn't your transformation, but it is Christ's substitution. We have to get that order right. It's very important. That way we're not focused on ourselves all the time. We are depending on the forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ. And so here's the big question. Do you believe this? And so the reason why I ask that question is because we've talked before about the difference between professing something and believing something. And this is very important for us to understand. Because you profess something and it means that you know the right thing to say. You have all the answers. You're like, yeah, I know this thing. I could articulate, you know, the first part of Pastor Josh's sermon. I know about the substitution. I know this whole thing. So I could regurgitate all of that. I could profess all of that. But that's not the question. It's a question of faith. Do you actually believe it? And so what we're going to discover today in the few minutes that I have left is that this parable that we just read gives us the answer in order for us to understand whether or not we actually believe that we have been forgiven or do we actually understand the magnitude of the forgiveness that we have received. Um, do, you, do you believe this? Do you believe it? You see, here's the thing. You have to believe, like, this is, this is why faith is so important. It's so crucial. Have you ever, have you ever um, been in a situation where you <laughs> ask someone to forgive you, and they say that they forgave you, but you're like, that just didn't seem genuine. It's like, dude, I know that I, I messed up yesterday. Like, I didn't mean to embarrass you in front of everybody. And could you please forgive me? Yeah, fine. Yes, just, yeah, whatever. Yes, 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 fine, I forgive you. Eh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like you meant it, okay? And so the same thing can happen with, with, the, with the forgiveness of Jesus. Do you actually believe it? Or are you like, I just don't buy it. That, I mean, it's like it's too much. I've done too much. Is that really real? And on the flip side, when somebody actually forgives you, like you're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Like seriously, like, I, like it's all good. And you can feel that. It's like, oh my gosh, like there's this weight that has been lifted from your shoulders. That's why... Same is true with Jesus. You have to actually believe it so that you can live differently and you are walking in the forgiveness that you have received and it changes everything. It will change your life. That's why faith and belief are so crucial. Um, do you believe that the forgiveness that Jesus offers is actually, is actually 
the magnitude that it is. So here's some general information about, a par- about the parable. Whenever you read a parable, so if somebody asks you, like, hey, what's a parable? You just say this. It is, a, it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Hey, what is a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And when you read a parable, you usually have to find two characters. You have to find which one in the, which one in the story is God and which one in the story is me. Okay? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, question one. Who in the story owes the 10,000 bags of gold? $7 billion. Who's the person that owes that? Me, right? You. You and me. Okay? By default then, who is the guy that was forgiven the $7 billion? Me, right? Or you. Okay. Who is the guy that forgives the $7 billion? God, right? He's the one that forgives the $7 billion. And who is the one that owes the 100 pieces of silver or $300? It's that person that wronged you. It's that person that abused you. It's that person that gave you the cold shoulder. It's that person that never called you back. It's that person that stole from you. That's that person, okay? So here's the thing. We can read this story and we can stand in awe of the person that was forgiven the $7 billion. And we can be, how does he not see? He's been forgiven $7 billion. What? I mean, what's a few hundred? Like, this guy owes him $300. He was just forgiven $7 billion. How does he not understand that? We can look at it from a distance and say, this is ridiculous. How does he not see the magnitude of the forgiveness that he has received? Look at that poor guy. He put him in prison until he gave, he was able to, to return all of that money. If he truly understood the forgiveness that he has received, he would have cared about the $300, right? So the conclusion here is, is clear. This clearly shows that he doesn't, the guy doesn't truly grasp how much he actually owed, so he clearly doesn't understand how much he has been forgiven. You see, we can, we can talk and seem to understand, and we can even articulate very well the forgiveness that we have received. We can say, oh yeah, the forgiveness of God is, is so amazing, and the substitution, and he forgave us, and he died on the cross, and he, he paid that full price for us, and we can fill our mouths and say all the right things. But brothers and sisters, the, the, the only way, the only way that we truly understand whether or not the magnitude of forgiveness has actually entered our heart is one way and one way only is our ability to forgive others. You see, our willingness to forgive someone is directly connected to how much we believe God has forgiven us. But we tend to see it differently. We think that our ability to forgive should be directly connected to how deeply we have been wronged. And so we're selective. You know, no, that's, I mean, yep, yeah, fine, I'll forgive that. That guy went too far. Right? We have limits. And that's exactly what Peter was asking Jesus. He was saying, what's the limit, Jesus? How far is too far? Tradition is an eye for an eye. Some rabbis would say three times because that's the number of perfection. Other rabbis that would have a heavier yoke, remember, they would say seven times because that is the number of completion. What do you say, Jesus? Seven times? 
Three, what's the limit? He's like, no, what does he say? Matthew 18, 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, which some translations is seven, 70 times seven. It's not clear, but the point is not saying like, okay, 77 is the limit. Dude, like you're at, se- you're at 76 right now. You got one left. That's not the point. It's hyperbole. What he's saying is that for a Christian, there is no limit for the amount of times that you forgive. It, it, for a Christian, forgiveness is not optional. And Paul talks about this when it comes to relationships. He talks about it in Philippians 2, 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, where he humbled himself. Think about Jesus, not about what the person has done to you. Marriage is the same thing. Ephesians chapter 5, submit to one another out of reverence to who? To Christ. Not out of reverence to one another, because if we use one another as references to whether or not we forgive or not forgive, that's not going to work. We look at Christ. How much did Christ forgive you? That's how much I'm going to forgive my spouse. Okay? We don't take our cues of forgiveness from one another. We take our cues from Jesus. That's the only way that Stephen, when he was being, when he was being stoned to death, was able to say what? He said, don't count this sin against them. Who was he looking at? Was he looking at the people that were stoning him or was he looking at the forgiveness of Jesus toward him? How was he able to do that? You see, our willingness to forgive someone is directly connected to how much we believe God has forgiven us. Interesting that the scripture says, talks about forgiveness from the heart. Verse 35 says, I'll just read it. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. So there's a difference between forgiving and forgiving from the heart. It's like, yeah, I already forgave, dude, I, I forgave that person. I don't even talk to him anymore. I don't even care about that guy. Okay, that's not forgiveness. It's not from the heart. You may feel like you forgave him or her, but you did not actually forgive them. Um, it's not forgiveness from the heart, and that's what we are called to. Um, this is the problem. We, we try to muster up, like, oh, pastor said you got to do this. We've got to forgive people. So you're going to force yourself to forgive someone. That's not forgiveness from the heart. Let me give you a clue. If you're not sure whether or not you've actually forgiven someone, this gives you the answer. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. It says, you have heard it said, Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, so if you want to know whether or not you've forgiven from the heart, your brother, your sister, your co-worker, here's the question you need to be able to answer. Can you pray for them? Can you genuinely do a full-on prayer for that person? If you can't, like, oh, man, I can't even pray for them. Like, okay, you got work to do. You got work to do. But here's where I want to stop you. Because I don't want you to walk out here forcing yourself to forgive someone. I don't want you to do that because that will not be from the heart. What I want you to do is to check yourself and how much you truly believe that Jesus has forgiven you. Because if you believe that you've been forgiven little, you're going to forgive little. If you believe that you've been forgiven a lot, you're going to forgive a lot. Our willingness to forgive, remember this. Our willingness to forgive someone is directly connected to how much we believe that God has forgiven us. So I'm going to close with this. Um, I know some of, you have, some of you guys here have been hurt. 
I know that. I know that for sure. I know that. You've been abused mentally, physically, sexually. There's, there's someone in your life that comes to mind right now as I'm talking, and you're like, I just, that's just, he, she went too far. I just can't find it in myself to do that. Um, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And I don't disagree with that. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that they don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't disagree with that. In fact, the parable is not denying the fact that the guy was owed $300. He's not saying he didn't owe him the $300. He, he did owe him the $300, and he was unwilling to pay. So the, the answer is yes. Did, did he owe the money? Yes, he owed it. Have you been wronged? Yes, you've been wronged. Have you, has, did that person abuse you? Yes, they abused you. They did. It wasn't unfair. Yes, it was unfair. And you may be here holding on to unforgiveness. You're holding on to it. And somehow, in your mind, you're thinking that holding on to unforgiveness is somehow punishing the person. It's not. It's not. This is bad for you. It's bad for you. When you don't forgive, you're keeping a prisoner in chains. You've heard of this before. You're keeping a prisoner in chains. And that prisoner is you. So how are you doing? I'm going to um, invite you to close your eyes here for a minute. I'm going to say a few things, and if we could bow our heads. Um, and I'm going I'm to say a few things, and then we'll pray. But as I said before, just remember this phrase. Our willingness to forgive someone is directly connected to how much we believe God has forgiven us. So as you're thinking about your situation... I want you to understand also that it works the other way. That our ability, listen to this, that our ability to grasp the magnitude of the forgiveness of God will also open when we begin to forgive someone who doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And the reason for that is because that's what Jesus did for you. And you will receive freedom. It's time to take a step. It's time to make that call. It's time to talk to that person. It's time to do a prayer for them. Send a text, write a letter. I don't know what your next step is, but Jesus is calling you to do this. And you will receive rest for your soul. You'll release the weight of unforgiveness. So with eyes closed and head bow, heads bowed, if you need me to pray for you right now, I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand, put it right back down, I'll pray for you. Amen. 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 And so, Lord God, we, uh, we recognize that forgiveness is one of those hard things, Lord. Sometimes we feel like we've forgiven, but we're not there yet. I want to ask you to please remind us of how much you have forgiven us. Because it's our willingness to forgive others is directly connected to how much we believe you have forgiven us. And so I pray for this this morning, especially those who raise their hand, that you will give them the strength to forgive those who don't deserve to be forgiven because that's what you did for us. And I pray also that we will be able to understand, truly understand, this unpayable debt that you have forgiven us. So we thank you for this, God, in Jesus' name.
Amen.